Hey, welcome to Crosswalk Church. Today, Pastor Dan is bringing you a teaching, so head over to crosswalkphoenix.com and find today's message under the worship tab. There you can download the Crosswalk notes to follow along. And now, here's Pastor Dan. It really blew me away when I saw the number. 1,721 wrong way driver stops by the Arizona State Police in 2017. 1,721, when you think about that, that is almost, it's between four and five wrong way drivers a day. And I want you to think about that because if you're like me, you have thought about it. When you're driving up I-17, maybe over by Bumblebee, or you're going up towards Payson where kind of the roads get a little weird and you're on the left side instead of the right as you're going up, and sometimes it's an optical illusion. Am I on the right side, the correct side or not? To think about coming around those curves and have someone coming the other way, it, it, it's, it's crazy when you think about it. And in all, almost all of these, they're completely oblivious. They have no idea. And so on the one hand, it's very serious, but on the other hand, when, it, when I think of it, I can't help. My mind just goes to it. This is an old movie. It's an old movie, 30 years old, called Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. And, and it's in that, there's a classic scene in there where John Candy is driving, Steve Martin is the passenger, he's sleeping. It's two, three in the morning, and they get on the interstate, and they're a wrong way driver. And as he's driving, and Steve Martin is asleep, the, a car pulls up alongside them in the, in, the right, in the proper lanes, trying to get their attention, beeping at him, yelling at him, you're going the wrong way. And he thinks they're drunk. So he's making fun of them, yeah, whatever. And then Steve Martin wakes up, he rolls down his window, and he listens, and, and he, he says, they're saying we're going the wrong way. And he has the classic response. Going the wrong way? They don't even know where we're going. <laughs> and that is ba-dump bump. It is, it's that in that moment, that how can you tell me the wrong, I'm going the wrong way, if you don't even know where I'm going. And that is the nature of, of this, the wrong way driver. In their own little world, having a perspective that is skewed from reality. And, and as someone maybe warns them, you're going the wrong way, the response is, you don't even know where I'm going. And, and as we have a message like that from a Christian church, as we use God's law to tell someone you're going the wrong way, Jesus says you're going the wrong way, they say, yeah, we're going somewhere else. You don't know where we're going. How dare you tell me I'm going the wrong way? But by virtue of the fact that you are here today, that I think there is a, another group that maybe we might fit in the category as we think about U-turn. There are those who are oblivious to what God says. They don't know, nor do they care. And then there's another group. And, and this would be the group that as they are going through life, going down the lanes of life, are frustrated because they can't get where they want to go. And so as you're driving, maybe you've done that before, where, where you know that you want to go to a certain store, and as you're driving down, let's say at 51st and, and Baseline, 
you know where you want to go and, and you can't turn there because there's, there's a median in the way. And once you've gone by that stop, that, that you're just going to keep driving and driving and driving. Well, the good news is if you're trying to get to McDonald's, there's one just three miles down the road. But unless you're trying to get to some other place, what's going to have to happen is you are going to have to turn around. That, that if you put it into your GPS, if you finally give up and say, I can't get there on my own, I don't know how to get there, you are going to, to, to plug it into your phone, to your GPS, and, and at some point it is going to tell you at the next intersection, do a U-turn. You need to turn around. If you want to get where you want to go, that's what you need to do. And so as you look at, Stephen talked about the why, the why of a U-turn is because you want to get to a certain place that you're not at right now. And as you keep going, it's not that you're moving. It's not that you're not moving. It's that you're not moving in the right direction. That maybe even as you move, as you are trying harder and you're trying harder at the wrong things, it seems to take you farther and farther away from God and his blessing. It's taking you farther and farther away from a resolution of whatever it is that you're going through. And again, you're working hard at it. It's not that you don't want to do it. And, and so that group is not oblivious. That group, maybe of which your category is, you're frustrated. You're frustrated because you are working hard, maybe just at the wrong things. And the suggestion from God's word and, and the theme of, of our message series is maybe you need to consider a U-turn. Maybe for a moment that you need to just slow down and maybe even stop. Maybe get an assessment of where you are, what direction you're headed. And, and God forbid, men, even look at a map. Uh, even look for, for someone to tell you this is the way you need to go in order to get where you want to go. And that is what we have in our message series with U-Turn, the need for repentance. And we begin, we begin by looking at Mark chapter 1. Today we're going to look at Psalm 14. That's going to be the highlight of what we look at the whole of Psalm 14. But before that, I want to just start with the, this concept of repentance for today because it's something that Jesus spoke very clearly about. And we'll read Mark 1 verses 14 to 15. This is the ministry of, of John the Baptist and this is the ministry of Jesus and, and what they are teaching. It says, after John was put in prison, so John the Baptist was imprisoned, Jesus went into Galilee, which is the area up in the north part of, of the country, proclaiming the good news of God. So this is good news, forgiveness. God loves you. The time has come, he said. The kingdom of God has come near. And how would they get ready for it? Repent and believe the good news. And so, let's fill in the blank right away. Repentance is the way we prepare for Jesus in our lives. Without repentance, there is no need for Jesus. Repentance is this changing of your mind. And we're going to see it's also a changing of your direction. 
But the first part is, is that it's a changing of your mind. Jesus is saying, you need to change your mind. You need to change the way you think, the way you're thinking about your life, the way you're thinking about God. And you need to believe what I am telling you right now about the good news, about forgiveness of sins, about the Christ, about the one who would come and pay for your sin. So the first part of repentance is recognizing that I have a problem and that problem is a sin problem. And the second part then is looking at the good news that Jesus has forgiven me. In the blank, you can write, repentance is a change of mind about one's sin. Sorrow over sin and a desire to stop sinning is the first part. Sorrow over sin and a desire to stop sinning. And the second part then is sorrow over sin and faith in the forgiveness of sins. Jesus went and and he preached this message of repentance and forgiveness. And one of the things that was a natural reaction to it was individuals said, if I need to repent, if I need to stop sinning, what does that look like in my life? And so Jesus spoke very specifically about it. And, and what he said was, those of you who have two shirts or, or those of you who have two pieces of clothing, give to someone who has none. Those of you who have food and, and plenty of food for yourself, give to individuals who have none. And so, in essence, what what Jesus is doing is he's saying that you need to love God and love others, and and the way that you are going to love others is by showing consideration of others, that you are going to practice the, the idea, the concept of charity, that you need to think about someone else other than yourselves. And that's probably the biggest part of repentance is to start thinking about someone else other than yourself. Repentance is the encouragement to stop being self-centered, to to take God and have him as the center of your life instead of yourselves. So so that's the first part is is you need to be loving in what you do. But then he also went on and there were some tax collectors that talked to him and said, what should we do? And and you would think maybe they would have figured it out on their, their own, because the way that they collected taxes was to collect what the government told them, and then they had the freedom to add on to that. So in essence, what tax collectors did was legalized theft. And so Jesus told them, if if you want to be a tax collector and you want to be a follower of the true God, you need to stop doing that. You need to stop this behavior. There were other people who were soldiers that came to him and said, what should we do? And he told them, you know, you're Roman soldiers. You get to do whatever you want. You're the law here in in Judah. And I know what you guys do, that you take a detachment and you go on the road as people are coming to and from Jerusalem and you stop them and and you tell them, you know what? Uh, It looks like, I don't know if we're going to be able to let you pass. We might have to arrest you. And then they wait. And then the people say, how much will it cost me? How much, how much will it cost me to get through? Well, you know, if a few denarius came our way, maybe we could overlook this offense. And that's what they would do. 
And, and so what Jesus is telling them is that you need to be what God has called you to be with loving and kindness, loving God and, and loving your neighbor. And you need to stop the practices that are not that. Now, as you, you look at that, that's, that's something that really, it, we're, we're gonna talk about a little bit later, but it's something that goes on and on every day in your life. And then the second part, and that's the, the good news, is to say that as you look at the past, as you think about the wrong that you've done, as you think about the wrong that you wanna leave behind, leave it in the past. That's the second part of repentance, is to, to believe that the, the payment for Jesus Christ the payment by Jesus Christ is enough. That, that God accepts it. To leave the guilt behind. Leave the shame behind. Trust God's forgiveness because it is there and it is paid in full for you. And there it is. That in, in its essence is what Christianity is. Repenting, confessing your sin and trusting the forgiveness of Jesus Christ and living that in your life. That's it. So what we are going to do now is go to Psalm 14 where the psalmist is also dealing with the same topic. So he's talking about repentance and forgiveness and he's applying it to a very real situation that he's seen in his life. And, and we go to Psalm 14 verse one. The fool says in his heart, there is no God. They're corrupt, their deeds are vile, there is no one who does good. Wow. The fool says in his heart, there is no God. They are corrupt. Their deeds are vile. There is no one who does good. It's like the feel-good verse of the year, right? You look at that and you're like, wow. That's, that's kind of harsh. But, but what we see here is this, this concept of a denial. The opposite of repentance would be a denial of God and a denial of his law. And so in the blank, you can write, a professing atheist says there is no God. A professing atheist says there is no God, but here's the one that's scary. A practicing atheist acts like there is no God. And I fear that we have practicing atheists, not professing atheists, they're not going to say there's not a God, but we have practicing atheists in this room. And I'm one of them. If you are an individual who has a sin that you keep repeating, in essence, what you are saying is, I can continue to still do this. I can continue to, I'm not going to say there is no God, but what I'm going to show by my actions is I'm going to say there are no consequences for what I'm doing. And if you are living that way, if you are in sin and you are saying, I'm going to continue to do this, in essence, what you are saying is, I don't believe God is going to punish it. Therefore, in essence, you're saying, I don't believe there is God. That's what he's saying. That's what the psalmist is saying. That is what God is saying. 
And so I, I, I'll, this story, it just, it makes me think of it so much. And that's this, it's this, this story that I like to tell. And that is, it's about a professor who had a, a class in college and on the first day of class told everyone in the class, 200 people, we are going to have an assignment every Friday. Every Friday you will have a 500 word paper that needs to be in by 11.59 p.m. If it is not in by 11.59 p.m., it is a zero. Okay? Everyone said, okay, we got it. We understand. And then you have a sheet of what this 500-word essay needs to be about each week. So the first week comes. It's Friday at 11.59. All 200 papers are in. But then the second week comes. At 11.59, there's 190 papers in, and 10 of them don't come in until 2 a.m., And the professor lets it go. The next week comes, 150 are in by 11.59, and the next 50 come in by 10 a.m. the next morning. And the professor lets it go. The next week, 100 are in by the time, then 50 are in by Saturday, 40 are are in by Sunday, and 10 aren't in by class time. And the professor comes into class and says, all those papers not received by 11.59 p.m. this week are zeros. And of course, the students are upset. That's not fair. That's not fair that you didn't do that every time that because we know there were ones that, that were in after that you didn't give a zero to. And the professor says, you're right. If I was completely fair, all of those would be zeros. But you are confusing my patience with my permission. And in our lives, this is something you need to understand. Just because God is patient with you, not wanting anyone to to go to hell, don't confuse that with the permission for your sinful behavior in which you live is acceptable before God. Because there is a day of judgment coming. There is a day when, when God, that his patience will end and we will answer to him. And that is why he, he is saying in these words, whether you are a professing atheist or, or you are a practicing atheist by virtue of what you do, believing God is not going to do this, be warned. You are like the driver going down the road, going the wrong way. Just because you're not in an accident immediately doesn't mean you're not going to get into one. And I guarantee if you drive that way for the rest of your life, there will come a head-on collision. It will happen. It's just a matter of when. We continue. The Lord looks down from heaven and all mankind to see if there are any who understand, any who seek God. All have turned away. All have become corrupt. There is no one who does good, not even one. Fill in the blank right away. There is a universal need for repentance because sin corrupts all that we think and say and do. It corrupts it all. And and a part of an understanding of this, of what it means to have a sinful nature, is to understand that that in... We we went through this yesterday. We had a pre-marriage workshop. And one of the things we talked about right out of the gate was confessing this, whoever claims to be without sin deceives themselves and the truth is not in them. So, so this need to confess our sins. 
But what one of the things that we begin to realize is we confess that every Sunday. But when you're in a marriage or a very close relationship, I'm married to a sinner. And, and, and my wife is married to a sinner. And I'm not able to turn that on and off. Which means on a daily basis, with, with the way that I think, the things that I say, the things that I do, on a daily basis, that, that this is corruption in my head about the way that I think, it always turns back to me. That, that's my default, and it's yours as well. And so as you look at the, the struggles that you have, the frustrations that you have, and that's finally why people came to hear Jesus and John the Baptist, they're frustrated. Then in our lives, we're not where we want to be. We're not where we're going to go. And so we need to understand that it starts with the corruption, not in the people around us, not in the world around us, not that it's not there, but where it needs to start is in here, recognizing that corruption and confessing it. The next verses then, and, and these are ones why. Why is this so important? Do all these evildoers know nothing? They devour my people as though eating bread. They never call on the name of the Lord. They never call on the name of the Lord. In the blank, you can write, repentance isn't only about stopping sin. It's not just about your behavior. As a matter of fact, that's probably just, it's, it's not the majority of it even. The worst part is the second. It is also needed for us to enjoy God's blessing. If you are living in sin, if you are conscious about that sin, if you are saying, this is the way that I've decided to live and I am going to embrace sin, God is not hearing your prayers. I'm just going to say it straight out like that. Notice what it says. They never call on the name of the Lord. They can't call on the name of the Lord. That, that as you look at that in your life, sin stands in the way that you are choosing sin over God, and when that happens, God is the one who says, I will not hear your prayers. Not that he doesn't know what they are, in that way, hear them, but when you are not acting as his child, when you go the other direction, he will let you go, and that is the misery. Repentance is not only about stopping sin, but it's also needed to enjoy God's blessing. And how much of that blessing are we leaving behind by embracing sin? The next page but they are overwhelmed with dread for God is present in the company of the righteous. In there, you can write a life without repentance means a life without God. A life without repentance means a life without God. A life without God means overwhelming dread. And I just want to stop there just for a moment. And, and this, is to, this is the misery of living with sin in your life. There, there's an expression that we use, right? When, when a situation is completely hopeless, they don't have a prayer. They don't have a prayer. And, and when we think about those, the, the professing and practicing atheists, those who continue to go the wrong way, who don't do a U-turn, that is where it ends. It ends by God giving you what you want, and that is letting you continue to go. Continue to go in your ignorance and away from him. Life without God is a life without hope. But praise God through Jesus Christ, that is not what he has in mind for you or for me 
or for anyone in the world. That's what Jesus coming into the world was all about. And that's why he called them to repentance and called them, change your mind, do a U-turn. Who wants to live this way? No one wants to live this way. And, And if that's the case, the need to turn around is immediate. It needs to happen now. Psalm 14, five and six. But there they are, overwhelmed with dread, for God is present in the company of the righteous. Notice, now, now there's a separation between those who are in dread and those who, God is with the righteous, so he's with you. You evildoers frustrate the plans of the poor, but the Lord is their refuge. And now what the Lord is doing is he's showing there's, there's a difference. There's a difference between those who, who purposefully go the wrong way, whether it's in their ignorance or, or whether it, they know better and they, and they just continue to go and they refuse to change their minds about their sin. They refuse to change their minds. But then there are those in whom the Lord works repentance who do turn around. In the blank, you can write, a life of repentance is a life with God and his blessings. It's with him. God says, come, be with me. He is present in our lives and active in our defense. I'm just going to tell you next week, as we look at U-turn, the, the theme for next week is going to be the blessings of repentance. And so I'm not going to spend a, a lot of time on this right now, just because next week it's going to be all about that. But, but when we look at the blessings of repentance, the, the start of it is simply that God is present in your lives, that God is there, that, that God is next to you, that God is with you, that God is, is, is there every step of the way, and then that he's your refuge, that as things come up in your life, the, the difficulties, the frustration, that, that he is there as your refuge, that you run to him. And, and then we're going to talk about this again next week as God turns us around then he takes us back to the things that we want so desperately, that he gives us true blessing. But the biggest parts of that are his presence and his strength in our times of weakness. The next verses talk about more of this. Oh, that salvation for Israel would come out of Zion when the Lord restores his people. Let Jacob rejoice and Israel be glad. This is what U-turn brings. This is the why. It's because of this salvation and this joy and gladness. In the blank, you can write, a life of repentance is a life of restoration. It's a life of restoration and hope. I've talked to some of you before about my vet. Yeah, I owned a vet. I'm going to say it. It was a, a 1996 Chevy Chevette. thing was awesome. Uh, <laughs> bought it used. Bought it used from the United States Post Office. It was postal white with postal blue interior. Had no power steering, no power brakes, no radio. My kids are like, yeah, we remember the vet. And I, I love that vet because it was cheap. It was really cheap. There's only four days a year I didn't like the vet. And those were the four days I would go get my oil changed. Because whenever I got my oil changed, they would always tell me what was wrong with the car. 
There's like, yeah, you need some, you know, and it would always be like $2,500 worth of work that this car needed. And, and then it, it, I bought it for $1,000. So it was never worth getting fixed. So I'm like, well, why don't you just give me the basic oil change and an air filter? Uh, that's all I need. Then, then I'll be good to go. So uh, believe it or not, after a number of years, may she rest in peace, the Chevy Chevette finally died. The engine literally blew up. And uh, we ended up getting it towed. I think I got a couple hundred bucks for it even in scrap, which is kind of cool. But anyways, then we got, we got a different vehicle. And the vehicle we got was a newer Ford Taurus. And we got it from a member of our church who was going to be getting a different car. But the Ford Taurus had a bumper-to-bumper warranty on it that was still, had seven months left on it. And they said, you know what, we'll just keep the warranty on it for you and, and it won't be a problem. So, so the first time I go in to get the oil changed, of course, I'm like, yeah, check everything that's wrong with it. And, and they said, you know what, it's in, in pretty good shape. But then with about a month left on the warranty, I, I went in and I, a friend of mine was a mechanic and I said, I want you to find everything that's wrong with this car. I want you to go over it with a fine-tooth comb, and I want you to, to get everything. And he came back with a laundry list of things that were wrong with it. And I went in to get the oil changed at the dealership, and I said, these are the things that are wrong with it. I want every one of them checked, and I want them fixed. And they called me back and said, yeah, all these things, you're right. It's going to be about $4,500. And then I said, oh, I think I have a warranty on this. And they're like, oh, you're right, you do. He got back to me an hour or two later. Yeah, it's going to be $200. $200 to get it fixed. At which time I said, fix it. Absolutely, get it done. Get all of this done. That thing ran great. Loved having it. It was, it was a great car for us. Now the question is this. Do you look at yourself like you are a Chevy Chevette? Or are you the Ford Taurus who's under warranty? Because I'm willing to guess that that there are times that when you look at yourself and you think about the idea of a U-turn and you think about all the things that are wrong, that you don't even want to think about it. You can't imagine changing them. You don't know what it's even like to be running at full capacity. That your, your heart spiritually is clogged. That it's just like... I just can't even imagine going there. But here's, here's the beauty of it, is you are the Ford Taurus. Because the bumper-to-bumper warranty that has been given to you has been given through Jesus Christ. The, the payment for the repairs has already been made. And, and what the Lord wants us doing, why a U-turn, why the need for repentance? Because God wants you to live your life from him being, to the extent that we can, I don't even want to use the word fixed. I'll say restored, forgiven, loved, encouraged, given hope. And what you are going to find is it is a completely different experience living under the love and forgiveness of Jesus Christ as opposed under the the grasp of the sin in which you are living. And this is something he calls us to every day. Every day. 
going back to him and saying, find out the things that are clogging up your system, the sin that is in there, in whatever relationship it is, whatever role that you have, don't be afraid to look in the mirror. Don't be afraid to look at your own sin because you know the forgiveness that you have in Jesus Christ on a daily basis, sometimes on an hourly basis, sometimes on a minute-by-minute basis in an argument or in a frustrating time. Breathe out the sin and breathe in the forgiveness of Jesus Christ. Live with that restoration and that hope that Jesus gives. That's what it means to live with a U-turn. The final words that I want to leave you with today are the words of Jesus Christ. And this is also a reminder of the U-turn in the message series. On hearing this, Jesus said to them, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. And these words are words of hope, aren't they? For, for anyone, no matter what your past is, no matter what happened before today, no matter, it doesn't make any difference. If you come in here and you are, you know what, I am sick. And, and I don't know if, if this is a serious one, it, it might not get better overnight. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about treatment. We're talking about going back to Jesus, the physician, Jesus, the healer, on a regular basis, him keeping us healthy him bringing us forgiveness and God's love on a regular basis. In the blank, you can write, Jesus brings health and healing. He brings health and healing to people like you and me who are sick with sin. It's only week one. And I, I know this is a challenging message. This is a strong message. And, and whenever they are ones about repentance and sin, they are always that one, they sting. It, it is surgery on the heart and, it, and there is a discomfort to it. I get it. But as we move forward, understand that this is the way that we do move forward. This is, is Jesus with his promises, a message of repentance and forgiveness that is for you. Let's pray. Dear Lord God, we thank you that you sent Jesus into the world to preach a message of repentance and forgiveness. And as he does that, and as the Holy Spirit works on our heart, it truly does turn us around and it brings us into this right relationship we have with you. Lord, for everyone here today who is sick and hurting, uh, physically or spiritually, help us turn to you first for that, that healing that you bring. Uh, embrace us, Lord. Remind us daily of our forgiveness. And as we live our lives, help us live in love for you and in love for one another. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So before we close, if you would like more information about Crosswalk or to listen to other messages, head over to crosswalkphoenix.com or come and see us. Services are held at Cesar Chavez High School at 41st Avenue and Baseline on Sundays at 9 and 11 a.m. Visit our website for directions. And now some closing thoughts from Pastor Dan. We do have a great God who calls us to repentance, who, who allows us, who calls us to make this U-turn and by his spirit makes it possible. The encouragement for you is to join us again next week to see these blessings of repentance because they are many. Uh, so plan on joining us next week. And as you go, go with the Lord's blessing. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. Lord, look on you with favor and give you his peace. Amen. Have a great day.